Amen, and good morning to you. We do have a great Father who gives us every day our daily bread. And we acknowledge openly that every good and every perfect gift comes from Him. And so it is so fitting on this weekend, a weekend where there is much celebration, uh, that we have a heart and a posture of gratitude for all He is and all that He has done. Uh, it's a joy to worship with you this morning. And speaking of celebrating, I just, if I can mention this quickly at the beginning, um, if you are not in the habit of normally picking up a copy of the Respond here at Longwood or at any of our sites, and it's also available online for you to look through, I encourage you to grab it this week. There's a lot of great celebrating taking place out at our Mount Dora campus. In fact, you can read all about it right in the opening spread here. Really some neat things going on. Yeah, if you've already looked in, you might be aware. A lot of transitions, new leadership taking place out there. My role is transitioning to where I'll be serving Northland in a more regional role through some of our sites and through some of this Church of Churches development that we've been talking about. And as a result, we have a new site pastor out there. And his last name is Bell as well. It's my brother Jeremy. He's leading the charge out there now, doing a great job. Looks a lot like me, but without the hair. So look in the article. The bald is not me. It's him. I got to keep rubbing him about that because he's younger than me, but I still got the hair. Uh, but he's doing a great job out there. The congregation loves him. New location. Uh, God's given a new facility out there for, for the congregation to worship after 10 months of borrowing another church facility on Sunday. We now have a place in the next few weeks where we'll be moving into. Is that not amazing? That's so awesome. And then as a result, a new name for the location, rather than referring to it as the Mount Dora campus, we'll be calling it the Lake County Hub. Uh, there's a vision for more than just Mount Dora for this church as it begins to spread out to reach out into Lake County. Some really exciting things taking place, a lot of celebrating going out there. For those in Oviedo, I'm looking forward to being out and worshiping with you next week as well. Excited about what God's doing out there. Here at Longwood, what God's doing, correctional facilities, house churches. God is doing a great work through Northland, and there is much to celebrate on this weekend together. So glad you're with us. A few weeks ago, my family had an opportunity to take a trip out to Colorado, gorgeous part of our country. And as we landed in Denver, we prepared to make the drive out to Keystone is where we got to go. We were just so blessed to be able to spend a few days out there. And as you approach Keystone, you're given this opportunity to go one of two paths to get out there. You can either take I-70 heaps going and you go through the Eisenhower Tunnel, which is exciting, I guess. Boring. But, you know, some people, the, the normal person wants to go that. Or you could go the route over the Loveland Pass with all of its hairpin turns and no guardrails. Being the adventurous one that I can be, we chose the Loveland Pass, and it was gorgeous. Got a picture of the family with us up there, and they didn't have any t-shirts available, so we did the been there, done that, got a picture thing, and, and the kids loved it. Absolutely gorgeous up there. And it's on the Continental Divide. If you're familiar with the Continental Divide, what it is, is it's this incredible mountain range that runs all the way from the southern part of Mexico through the states, up through Canada, into Alaska, thousands of miles. And it's this separation point. It's where it separates the, the watersheds that roll all the way down into the Pacific Ocean to the west. And it separates these rivers and watersheds that roll all the way down to the Atlantic in the east. It's this incredible thing. It's this idea that without any effort, you drop a, a drop of water on top of the peak and it chooses at that moment, am I gonna go this way or this way? And without any effort of its own, it will ultimately be able to make its journey to its final destination. Couldn't help but think about how 
awesome that would be in our spiritual life if that was the case, huh? I mean, we get to this tipping point where, all right, sign me up, I'm in, I want to follow Jesus fully. And as soon as we start to tilt that way, oh, it's all downhill from here, without any effort on our own. We'll just cruise on down, enjoy the journey, and we'll make it fine to this final destination. But if you've been a follower of Jesus for any amount of time, you know better than that. You know and it is significant effort. There is significant work involved. In fact, it involves us needing to cultivate these disciplines in our life, to fully experience what the resurrected life is all about. It's these daily, moment-by-moment -moment decisions, moment-by-moment -moment choices where we yield to the work and presence of God in our life. That's what the fourth book of our first principle series is all about. It's helping to cultivate the habits of the heart. And it's those habits that cultivate our heart in a way that we can experience fully the work of Jesus Christ in our life. Cultivating the habits of our heart. But before Paul launches into what that looks like, and the series will take us through what this looks like over the next few weeks in, in our personal walk, in, in our family relationships, in our relationship with our congregation, our community at large. Before we look at that, Paul gives us this framework of how this takes place in our life. And, and it's not an issue of trying to change the circumstances that are around us. It's not an issue of trying to rewrite our past mistakes or our past failures. Now this resurrected life is about a daily priority of the inner life over the outer life. It's the priority of the inner life over the outer life. We looked at the text here and we read it here earlier at Longwood, but I want to read it again for those of you joining us online and for maybe those of you who didn't hear it. I want to look at the text from Ephesians chapter 3 this morning together. Ephesians chapter 3, we'll begin in verse 14, and it says, for this reason. Now, now wait a second, I'm going to pause. Before we go forward, let's look at why Paul says for this reason. So let's look at back at verse 13 first, because he has a purpose, a context, a setting that he's in that shapes what this prayer is all about. So verse 13 says, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. You have to understand this prayer, it's going to be a powerful prayer. It's going to be a guiding prayer in the lives of those who are the readers, the listeners of this passage for us as the church. But the context that Paul finds himself in, he's suffering. He's in prison. And what's interesting to note about the prayer is this. He will make no reference in his prayer to external circumstances. He'll make no effort or no reference in his prayer to what's happening around him. He'll make no reference in his prayer to recent events in his life. No references to prayers for healing or for protection for himself or for those he's making the prayer for. Those are all good prayers, but Paul has a singular focus. He has right on his sights the inner life of those who claim to be followers of Jesus. It's making the inner life a priority that surfaces in his prayer. Some of you may have recently seen the movie um, Inside Out. Some of you seen that, caught that with the kids or the family. What a great movie that Pixar's put out. And even if you haven't seen the movie, you can kind of get the gist of it by watching all the constant commercials that come on about it, right? It's, it's, it follows this little story of this 11-year-old girl, Riley, and her life is just getting turned upside down. All the external things that are happening, she's got a lot of change taking place in her life. And as a result, her inside just gets all messed up. 
And the inside, the movie, in a hilarious and a fun way, follows around these core emotions, these core emotions that drive how we respond to what's happening from the outside to us. And, and it's a great movie, and it really makes a good spiritual point in this. In fact, if we put it through the spiritual filter, think about what Paul will say in this passage. It's your inner life, and I was just referencing your inner life, that will determine whether you respond to the challenges in your life from a position of strength or a position of weakness. It's that inner life. The strength of your inner life will determine, no matter how hard it is around you and what's going on, no matter how unsettling your circumstances are, it's the strength or the weakness of your inner life that will determine truly how you respond. And so that's what Paul will pray in this passage. Rather than an external focus, Paul prays boldly that the church will experience the power of God and that they will come to grasp just the amazing love that God has for them in their own lives. Because everything else externally, it can be navigated by faith. Look at verse 14 then in the text. Paul says this, for this reason I, nail, I kneel before the Father from whom every family on heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, that phrase out of really means in, in accordance or measure with, according to, to his glorious riches and measure of that, it, it, that can't even be measured, but it's according to his riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit, where? In your inner being. The central focus is in verse 17 here. He says this, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's people, the family prayer that this is, the spiritual family that we've been talking about lately, that you would experience this power to grasp just how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. The, the meat of the passage, again, it comes in verse 17, and it's Paul's central request. It's this request that Jesus Christ himself would dwell in your hearts, and it would lead to knowledge beyond your ability to understand about his love. Dwelling in your hearts. Now, what's interesting about this is, Paul is talking to believers. He's talking to people who've already placed their faith in Christ. So don't they already have Christ living in their hearts? That's a good question and it can be a little confusing in there. And it really has to do with an understanding of what these words mean. When you, when you look at the word dwell in the, in the original language in the Greek, it's katokeo, katokeo. And it really means this idea of dwelling means to settle or to find residence in, or the most literal translation of it would be to be at home in. Jesus wants to dwell, he wants to be at home in your heart. Maybe you can relate it this way. No doubt, any time in your life, many of us have, have moved into a new place. Yeah, maybe we've signed the rental contract, or we've signed the deed, we've been given the keys, and we move into this new place, we start setting up shop. And yet there are times you just, you, move, you ever move into a place where you're like, ah, we live here, we put our, our head on a pillow here, we, we call this home, but it, it just doesn't feel like home. Whether there's a restlessness there, or it wasn't what you expected it would be, or, or maybe there's restrictions because of property managers, or whatever it is, even though you occupy the space, 
You really don't find yourself at home there. And in comparison to there, there's these cases and, and many of us experience this. You get the keys, you walk in the door and I mean just immediately, you know you're at home. You begin to flood the place with your pictures and your experiences. You have these moments that you mark, good ones and challenging ones, but it's a story that you weave. You've, you've set up and you are at home. You are to be at home in this place. You know what that means. That's what Paul's talking about. It's not just taking up occupancy in a place. It's finding yourself at home. That's what Jesus longs for in our lives. That's what Paul's prayer is for here. The word heart, that's to dwell, to, to be at home in. The word heart, that comes from the Greek word cardia. Sounds pretty familiar, cardia or cardiac, cardiac arrest. But it's more than just this idea of the, the physical pumping thing inside your chest. And when you look at the real meaning in scripture of what it is, the cardia or the heart is, is think of it as your master control. It's the seat of who you are, your mind, your desires, your will the master control of your life, the or, who you are at the deepest part of your being. That's your heart. Proverbs 20, 27 talks about it this way. In the New Living Translation, I love the way it words it. The Lord's light penetrates the human spirit, exposing every hidden motive. And this is God not being interested or impressed with the paint job on the outside. He is, he is interested in what's under the hood. He knows that deep inside you, your hidden places, your heart, your cardia, that is your inner person. That is who you really are. And so Jesus Christ wants to dwell, make his place his home in the deepest heart of who you are. So different from just occupying your life. Yes, I may know and I may be a follower of Jesus, but for him to come and take residency, it's this idea, strengthening our inner life is really this idea of just turning the keys completely over to Jesus. Inviting him to just move on in, take residency, and we will reorient ourselves around you. It's like a crazy uncle that shows up and everybody just works around, right? But this is a good experience. He comes in and his words, his ways, his desires, we will reorient ourselves around you. It's really an issue of posture, of heart posture. It's allowing him to take leadership and yielding control, the keys, everything, so he can be at home in our heart. Verse 17 continues with more imagery and it talks about you being rooted and established in the love of God. Think of it as your heart being soil that's cultivated and it's prepared and it's worked over so that when God takes residency, when Jesus takes residency and really finds a home in your heart, you experience his power, you experience his love. May you be rooted and established. May your heart be a home where Jesus truly can dwell. Verse 19. It's got this great concept talking about no. Look what it says. And it's actually verse 18 and 19. It talks about knowing the love of God. May you have power to know how deep and wide and long and high the love of God is. Verse 19. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Know something that surpasses knowledge. Kind of a, an oxymoron Paul pulls on us there, isn't it? What does he mean by this word know that surpasses knowledge? There's another layer to it. Well, let me ask it this way. How many Star Wars fans do we have in here? Star Wars fans at our sites. Yeah, a few of you? 
Okay, well, well, you're going to have to get with the rest of the world, the other 90% who are Star Wars fans, if you're not, because these next few months, you're going to have to put up with the rest of us who are just geeked out about Episode 7. Comes out December 18th, right? The Force Awakens. First night, opening night, a lot of us are going to be there. I've got a little seven-year-old boy, Garrett. He is a Star Wars nut, absolutely loves it. I'm telling you, you go in his room, the figures, he can tell you almost every character and who they are and bad side. I don't even know the stuff he's talking about. And it's incredible. So imagine the joy. Every dad likes to try to impress their kids, right? So imagine the joy of me being able to tell Garrett, hey, listen, you know the Star Wars coming out, the new movie? Yeah, the new bad guy in the movie? I actually know who this is. And this is a true story. In fact, let me show you a picture. This is a, a recent casting shot of the, of the crew, the, the who's who of who's going to be a part of episode seven. And you look around, you see in the very front there, I don't know if you can see the picture well, but in the very front, the guy who's facing this way, in the bottom left, kind of looks like Pete Geiger. Um, it's actually Luke Skywalker. Man, that's Mark Hamill. You know, and you got Han Solo in the back there. Um, you got R2-D2. I mean, you got all the who's who in there. Right in the middle in the back in the sweatshirt, guy looking to the side, kind of a little smile on his face, that's Adam Driver. Adam Driver is going to be playing Kylo Ren, the new bad guy. Again, for those of you who aren't Star Wars people, think Darth Vader. At least you know who Darth Vader is, right? This is kind of like the new Darth Vader of the movie. This is a big deal. And I know Adam Driver. He was a childhood friend. He was in our church. He went to our student ministry a few times. He slept over at our house. I remember beating a kid in ping pong. He's a couple years younger than me. Beating him in ping pong in our basement. His mom played piano at our church for a lot of years. Man, I know who this guy is. Imagine how cool it is to tell your son, I know who Kylo Ren is. Only for your son to turn around and say, hey, can you get, what, can you get his autograph? I want to meet him. And for me to turn around and say, oh gosh, I haven't talked to him in like 30 years. <laughs> for him to turn around and say, I thought you said you knew him. Ouch. There's a difference between knowing someone and knowing someone, isn't there? Look at the words in 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Ask yourself the question, did those who walked with Jesus, did they know Jesus? Look at, look at what he says in 1 John 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard which we have seen with our own eyes, which, which we have looked on and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared and we have seen it and we testify to it and we proclaim to you that it is the eternal life, which was the father and has appeared to us. We proclaim this to you and we have seen and heard. He says it over and over so that you may also have fellowship with him. I don't want you to just know Jesus. I want you to know Jesus. Paul says, I don't want you to just know about the love. I want you to have a knowledge that surpasses knowledge. I want you to know about the width and depth and height and length of the love of Christ in your life and in your heart. It goes beyond knowledge. It can only be experienced in relationship. It can only be experienced when you allow Christ to dwell, to make his home in your heart. That's his prayer here. Mentioned the, um, the trip to Colorado. I, gorgeous out there. I couldn't get over the mountains. Again, we drove over the pass and I felt the itch. Leslie knows me. I'm an outdoorsy kind of person. I'm like... Honey, I gotta go for a hike. Can I go back up and hike? Sure. So I get up real early one morning, 
and I actually got a chance to go up and summit a uh, 13,500 foot, it's called Grizzly Peak. You got a picture. I put this picture into the message just because I wanted to see it on the big screen. I love that. It was just gorgeous, wasn't it? And I try to, and you, there's no way a picture can capture it. You stand up on this summit and you're looking around and I can only get one side. You look around the other way and I saw at least four mountain ranges. I mean, just range after range, peak after peak. And it's so deceptive. That peak you're looking at on the side there, it's about four miles away. I wanted to hike it, but I was exhausted, couldn't keep going. I mean, it's just deceptive, the breadth of it. You stand there and you look at it. And God made this. It's a speck on the map. It's a speck on the globe. It's a speck in the galaxies. Just how wide and how deep and how long and how high is the love of God for us? I just ask you, when, when was the last time? I just kind of a gut check here. When was the last time you just really allowed your heart to burst in awe and wonder at the love of God? in your life. It's the prayer that Paul has for his saints. Forget all the external stuff that's going on. Forget all the baggage in the past. His prayer for you is that you would just explode with the power of God in your life and you would be in awe and wonder at the love beyond description. When was the last time you just allowed your heart to be overwhelmed by the love of God in your life? We're hearing this phrase all the time now, love wins. It's all over the place, hashtag love wins. And it is such an amazing phrase and it is such a true statement. But can I tell you this today, friends? Love wins because the author of love gave his life on the cross for you and for me and for anyone and everyone who would receive that love. That's why love wins. The author of love loves you in a way that Paul can't even capture, if you could just understand in a four-dimensional thing, it's the only place in sacred scriptures that four dimensions is mentioned. And it's to try to describe the love of God. Have you been overwhelmed by it recently? Don't allow yourself to be fooled. Don't allow yourself to, to believe the lie that your faults and your failures are greater than the love of God in your life. Don't believe the lie that the circumstances around us, the challenges that we often face individually, and yes, even as a church, don't believe the lie that those circumstances are greater than the power of God in your life. Paul's prayer is not that the circumstances would change. They are no match for his power. Paul's prayer is not that the failures would be rewritten. They are no match for his love. His prayer is that they would grasp just how high and wide and deep and long that love is, that they would by his strength know just how amazing the power of God is. That's the truth. And sometimes, sometimes because of all the voices and all the distractions, sometimes we just need to be reminded of the truth in our lives. And sometimes we just need to be reminded of who we are. Watch this and see if you can relate.
That's not my father. It's just my reflection. No. Look hard. You see, he lives in you. to be Mufasa just for a moment and remind you of who you are. He lives within you. You are an image bearer of the great I am. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are joint heirs with Jesus. You are the child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You follow after the one who has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And it is through his glorious riches, through his strength alone, that he does his work in you. So please, whatever you do, whatever your priority is, make the inner life, make that the key focus. Make your heart a dwelling place for Jesus, a place that he can be home, the habits that that takes. Make that a priority in your life so that you can come to be renewed over and over and reminded over and over just how great and how wide and long and deep the love of God in your life really is. You know, there's so much talk about identity right now, it seems like, doesn't it? it, it just everywhere you go, everybody's talking about identity. Everybody's trying to do what they can, wrestling through this, this newer, better version of who they are. And it takes on all shapes and forms, friends. None of us are immune to it. And I just want to encourage you with this. Jesus isn't trying to, to get you to create or asking you to create a better version of yourself. Jesus already has a best version of you in mind. It's the version where your heart is completely filled by him, where you are experiencing his power, where you are experiencing his love, where you are experiencing his life. So by all means, let that inner life be a priority for you. Sometimes it's just good to be reminded of who you are, and it's good to be reminded of whose you are, and let the truth encourage you. <laughs> 